Never let me see this movie. Well, she's kind of a stick in the mud. Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, it's not a big deal. I really but... appreciate it, though. Hey, you want some popcorn? Oh, yeah. It's nothing like Monaco Ooh, it's popcorn. Really good. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. Oh, hey, Miss Lily, what are you doing here at the Monaco? Uh, I'm going to take my grandkids to see Monster University. What are you guys going to see? Oh, we're going to see the movie. It's new movie out. It's got Chuck awesome. Norris and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And, and um, there's like, uh, it's oh, like what's his name? Of, the the uh, diehard guy, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be awesome. What's the name of this movie? It's the new movie yeah, that came you out. Know, you saw the advertisement. Yeah. It's awesome. It's the Expendables yeah. it's awesome. 2. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Lots the of trailer. Blood. Lots yeah. Of blood. Yeah. 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 Isn't yeah. that some bad language in this movie? No, it's just, just a little it's bit. It's not, not I mean, come on. Yeah. We're men, yeah. okay? Hey, I mean, maybe you shouldn't college, see it because yeah. you're a girl, yeah. but we're men. Yeah, we, we can handle a little we, bit of language. We Bible college. We Clearly, don't talk like that. We're above. I mean, we don't yeah. talk like sailors. Yeah. Okay, but there's a lot of violence and stuff. But again, it's Arnest the Terminator. I'm a cameo by Chuck Norris. You know, Chuck Norris. Likes his meat so rare, he eats unicorns. Yeah, oh, yeah. I ain't kidding. Yeah. Okay, that, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. We don't, we okay. don't, yeah, we're okay. not that violent. Wait a minute, guys, yeah. think but, about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a senior pastor in a church. Yes, yes, I am. You're a youth <laughs> yes. pastor. Oh, yeah. Are you afraid of what this will do to your congregation? Shouldn't I'm, you set a good They don't room? know I'm going. They're not here. Yeah. It's a midnight yeah. showing. Yeah. You think Larry's here? <laughs> okay. here. Have you ever guys heard the song by Casting Crown that talks about it's a slow fade? People don't crumble in a day. It happens slowly. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great song yeah. when we're at church. And, but this just, look, yeah. it's a little yeah. guy time. Yeah. Let's have a little steam. Yeah. It's, look, it's just a little bit. Yeah. A little bit of, it's not that big a deal. It's a little bit no, of violence. Just it's just, bit. you know, but we're got, we're, we can yeah. handle this. It's we got just, this. It's a little bit. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Just, hey, it was good you to know. see you, though. Yeah, hey, it was, hey. you know what? You have a great evening. Our show's about to start. We glad you're going. You got the Yeah. Enjoy Monsters University. All right. You got the tickets? I got the tickets, yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. You know what? Somebody needs to teach those two a lesson. I think I will. Man, that movie was great. Oh, it was awesome, dude. It was so good. Hey, um, as we're wrapping up the staff meeting, I was wondering if uh, I think it'd be awesome if Miss Lorna did some Guns and Roses. This has like an opener. Oh, yeah. Like, just, maybe you should stick to the youth and family what? stuff. I don't uh, know that. Yeah. I don't know if she can quite tear it up yeah. like Slash, yeah. but that it could yeah. work. You yeah. never know. Well, yeah. But, that sounds so, like a busy week then. We got, a lot yeah. going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, I got a meeting today with Lorna. Understand. Um, Hi, guys. Oh, oh hey, this is Lillian. How was the movie? Oh, let me tell you, it was amazing. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was so Yeah, good. you yeah. were right. A little bit of bloodshed, a yeah. little bit of language. Oh, the language? But, oh, yeah, you were right about that. But it's that. okay because we were praying about it. Yeah. Okay. And All right. yeah. okay. we're good. Well, yeah. I knew you guys were having a staff meeting today. Oh, Miss Lillian. Lillian. Pop. Oh, Lillian, you did not have to really. You are the best. Look at this. Oh, oh they're so I got look at it. Hey, look, oh. it's one of those when you when you put it back together, you can't even tell that it oh. broke apart. Look oh, how moist man, it is. This is. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. Mm-hmm. Are those good? These oh. are amazing. What you got? Oh. I made them especially mm. for you. Mm. Mm. I'm going to have to eat two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. What's in them? What's your recipe? Mm. I got to do this. Well, you know I, what's in brownies? You've got flour, you've got sugar, mm. you've got cocoa, mm-hmm. you've mm-hmm. got milk, you've mm-hmm. got flavor, a little dog poop. A little what? Oh, you're kidding me! Just, no. a, just a little bit. Lillian, it won't hurt. That was in my mouth. But it was just a little bit. That's yeah, but that, a little bit of poo and brownies yeah. is a bad yeah. thing. But that's what you said about the movie. Just a little bit. <laughs> but that's a million. You oh. said it doesn't matter. 
Oh, oh Miss Lily. Miss, really? That's oh, well played. Well. You got the message? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Hey, you want this? Thanks. Yeah. Oh. Hey, visit the. Oh. <laughs> oh. Excuse me one second. Wow. Um, welcome to the Bible Poison Control Center, ladies and gentlemen. We're glad you stopped by this morning. Today we're going to be uh, having brownies for everybody. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Uh, apparently those are a little something wrong with those brownies. We're going to send them down to the lab and see if we can't get them tested and get that taken care of. Uh, but you know what? It's amazing what a little bit can do, isn't it? Amen. You know, the, there's a snake. It's called the Incredible. And you know it's an amazing snake when the, the part of its name is Incredible Inland Taipan. And this snake has the most toxic venom of any land snake in the world. The maximum yield recorded for one bite is 110 milligrams of venom. That's enough to kill about 100 humans or 250,000 mice if you're working on that in a laboratory. With, they have what they call an LD50. And the LD50 of the um, Incredible Inland Taipan is 0.03 milligrams per, per body weight. So it's 10 times as venomous as a Mojave rattlesnake. And it's 50 times more venomous than the common cobra. It's amazing what a little bit can do. Now, fortunately, the inland, the inland Taipan is not particularly aggressive and it's rarely encountered by humans in the wild. And there have been no fatalities ever recorded, but it could potentially kill an adult human within 45 minutes. Coincidentally, the lethal dose of the black widow venom is reported at an LD50 of, point, of 0. 0.0009 milligrams of venom per body weight. That's even more toxic than the Taipan snake. Now, LD50 is a standardized amount. It represents the dose required to kill 50% of the experimental animals. So that's how they come up with that. And so what's required from a black widow spider can kill twice as much as the snake. It's amazing what a little bit can do. Take yeast, for example. You take a little bit of yeast. And by the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 7 says this. It says, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens out the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. I'm going to set this down here for a little bit. We'll see what happens. Uh, Thomas C. Oden said in an article from the Christian Advocate that here in America, it's hard to distinguish Christianity from its social and cultural setting. He says it blends into the scenery. Coincidentally, Proverbs 25, 26 says this, like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. This is kind of the same thing there. We blend into the scenery. Today, we're going to look at how we can get rid of the spiritual germs, the old leaven. We're going to get rid of that. We're going to see how to purify that muddy spring and we're going to clean out the polluted well that is your heart. So I'm glad you're here. Yes, it may hurt a little. It may be a little bit uncomfortable. But here at the BPCC, we are known for many things, but don't worry, comfort is not one of them. Sometimes the only way to get rid of something that's been ingested is we have to purge it out. And it's not always pretty. But that's what we're here to do today. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you again that we can use a simple illustration 
and, and laugh at ourselves in, in the fact that just what a little bit of something bad can do. I pray, Lord, today as we talk about germ warfare, as we talk about the things that we let sift in and out of our life, how we let them control us, and they're just little amounts. So I pray, Lord, that you would just open up our hearts, open up our minds, let, let us know where it is we need to adjust, where we need to refine ourselves. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, and, and this one's particularly from the Message Bible. Um, and, and, and so here's what it says. I love the way this is written. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You see, it's easy for us to blend in. It's easy for us, even as Christians, to just go with the flow and, and conform just a little bit and become like the culture around us. And the problem is that as, as, our discern, as our discernment becomes camouflaged by cultural standards, our spiritual priorities will also disappear. If you don't want to disappear into the worldly culture, then you've got to be willing to stand out. After all, Christians, we are the called out ones. We are called out by God to stand out and be different from the temporary world that we live in. Now, our researchers here at the BPCC have discovered that we can do one of two things. We can let culture drag us down or we can ask God to pull us up. We, we can no longer blindly accept what is popular as what is okay. And we can no longer accept what culture says is acceptable to be the same thing that God says is acceptable because it's not. We have to understand that the majority is not always right. Or as my granny would say, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? We can't keep moving that way. First Peter chapter one, verse 16 says, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. We are called to live a holy life. Why? Because we are made in God's image. Why? Because Christian, you have stood before others. And at some point in your life, you said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And I accept him as my Lord and savior. Now, the funny thing is everybody wants a savior, but nobody really wants a Lord. That we had to we had to do what they say. The word holy in this verse is actually translated hagios, which means to be set apart or to be different. There are even some Greek scholars that say they've written it that it's an inherent contrast. It can be translated just to read like this: "Be like the Lord and be different from the world." Our research shows that if Christians aren't any different from the world, it could be because they don't truly know Christ, or that they aren't living out the commitment that they made to know him. And I told you this might hurt a little bit. The reality is that much like the movie in our skit, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. All right. A few examples I've thought about. I could break the law and speed while I drive and still go to heaven when I die. Of course I can. I shouldn't, but I can. I could go crazy shopping on Black Friday, all those great deals and just charge it all up on the credit card and pay it off a little at a time over the next year. I talked about that last week. I could do that. And that is, that is not a sin punishable by death. 
that will not keep you from eternity in heaven. But just because I could doesn't mean I should. I remember as a kid, everybody didn't have credit cards. They weren't a popular thing. A lot of stores did something we call layaway. They, they would hold your purchase. For those of you who are too young to know layaway, they would hold your purchase. And you would go in on a Friday and you would make a payment, $10, $20. Right? And, and the cool thing was you didn't have to go in debt to buy stuff for the people you love. And all of a sudden there was, there was no layaway. It became easier for people to just get credit cards and to just charge it. But layaway is coming back. That's a cool thing. I don't know if you've seen that. Now, I'm going I'm to brag about my wife a little bit because after we got married, after our first couple of Christmases where we were doing just that, we were buying it on the credit card and paying it off the rest of the year because we were poor college students but wanted to show everybody how much we love them, she said, this doesn't work. She's wise. I'm like, why not? It's not melted yet, you know, <laughs> was my theory. She doesn't trust me with money or sharp objects. <laughs> Uh, she started setting it up. She starts in August. She makes the list, uh, checks it twice. No, that's a different person. She, she makes the list of, of who we're buying for, of the, the family members and all that stuff. And then she starts budgeting it out. And between August and November, she starts setting money aside. I don't know where it comes from because she doesn't let me see it, but she sets it aside. And now when we do go Black Friday shopping, she goes, here's the envelope. And it's actually, the envelopes have names on them. There's $20 for this person, $50 for this person. You know, however it works out in, the, in, the, in what she has devised. And it's great because we finish up all of our Christmas shopping and we're not broke. It's amazing. It, it's kind of a reverse layaway. It's like pay it forward layaway. So I want to challenge y'all to get into that mode now. It's August. You got a few months. Just start setting a few bucks back every week and make it happen. That's enough about Christmas and layaway. I want to look at what Paul said about some of these things. Uh, and, and whether you're talking about uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20, he's talking about our body. But whether you're talking about our body or our money or, or the stewardship of our lives, these words are just epic in my opinion. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. But God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. Verse 17, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Verse 19, here it comes. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that, that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. I used to have this verse wrong. I had it so wrong. I have a t-shirt. I still have this shirt. It's my favorite shirt. I can't bring it out of the house because it's full of holes. It's an amazing shirt. And it says, if the body is a temple, I'm not fat. I'm a mega church. <laughs> That's what it says. It's a great shirt. But I had it wrong. I had it wrong. 
I'm not supposed to glorify that. I just talked about that food for the body, the body for food. Ah, that's so wrong. Right here, verse 20. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. I need to glorify God physically and mentally and spiritually. Not by stuffing my face. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, this is not about thinking that you are better or worse than anyone else. This is about using discernment over the things that tempt us and lead us astray. We have a special research team here at the BPCC. It's led by a man that we call Dr. Obvious. There he is. He has discovered some amazing things. I know you guys are looking around the room going, who is that? Uh, he doesn't get out much, Dr. Obvious, but he, he studies. And, and I need to tell you this, too. Um, Dr. Obvious has his Ph.D. in psychology, Jack. Uh, he's shown us many times that we tend to overlook the obvious. Here's a sample of his work from some research he did. And and it was a, it was a paper that he wrote a a periodical, if you will, that was titled, how do I know what influences are good or bad? And Dr. Obvious writes this concerning movies. He says, if someone invites you to see a movie called the ABCs of death or thanks killing one, two, and three, obviously as a Christian, you could go see it, but you really don't need to go see those movies. And by the way, those are real titles. I don't know why you'd want to see them if you weren't a Christian, but uh, he says, you don't need to. It's obvious. Or if your old rock and roll buddy calls you up and he says, hey, I've got tickets to the next Ozfest and a bottle of Mezcal to kill before the concert, you could go. But there's no point. You don't need to. If, if you and your priority is to be like the Lord and to be different from the world, you shouldn't be going to these things. We shouldn't entertain these things. Now, Dr. Obvious knows also that some decisions are a lot tougher to make than going to a concert or going to a movie with some, some violence. He realizes this, but he wants to encourage people because there's a misconception out in our world. And, and our misconception is this. Just let your conscience be your guide. And he wants to warn us about that. And in his article, he says, you know, that sounds like a good thought process. Let your conscience be your guide. But there's a problem with that. Dr. Obvious points out that our conscience can be seared. Jot down 1 Timothy 4.2. Read that later, or we can read it right now. Uh, <laughs> by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their conscience as with a branding iron, our conscience can be seared. Now, i got to tell you something about myself. I love a good steak. More than that, I love a good rare steak. My favorite steak ever is called Blue. Right? And I don't know if you've experienced a blue steak before. Blue is, is, is before rare, even. It's, it's amazing. They take this big chunk of meat, and, and there's only been one restaurant that I have found that can actually cook a blue steak and do it well. It's in Florida. It's called Savannah's Chop House, if you're down that way. Basically, the grill temperature is so intense, the cook wears welding gloves to get the steak on the grill. Okay? It's It's hot. It only stays on there for about 25 to 30 seconds on either side. And then they pull that joker off, throw it on a plate, a glass plate, and cover it with another plate. And what happens is in that searing moment, the, the, the muscle of the, of the steak contracts so hard because on, on, you just, you're just torching it. And you throw it on the plate, and then it, it starts to relax. And it brings out the full flavor. It's, it's an amazing, my mouth's watering. Um, oh, it's amazing. You can cut it with a fork. Like they brought out this steak. It was like this thick. And I was cutting it with a fork. Didn't even have to use a knife. It was beautiful. Here's the thing. When, what happens to a steak when you leave it on the grill too long? 
comes out like my shoe, brown and leathery and just tough. And, and listen, no matter how tender it was to begin with, no matter how expensive a cut of meat it was, the longer that a steak is on the fire, the longer you cook it, the tougher it gets. That's just how it is. There's not enough A1 sauce in the world to bring it back to tender, amazing steakness that it was before you torched it. <laughs> Dr. Obvious writes in his article, he reports that we are like steak on the grill of life. After enough wrong behavior or fiery influence, if you will, your conscience is no longer an accurate guide. Example, movie violence. It doesn't bother me. Rough language in movies and songs and on video games. That doesn't bother me. It's all make-believe. It's not real. It's okay. Racy humor doesn't bother me. I can get over that. It was funny. I laughed so hard. I mean, hey, you know what? The waitresses at Hooters, they don't even bother me because they've got great wings. Yeah, don't act like you haven't said it. I actually don't think they have good wings. You get good wings at Moe's here in Providence. (laughs) Dr. Obvious says that just because something doesn't bother you, it doesn't mean it shouldn't bother you. We need new filters. We are becoming like our world. We are accepting the germs of this world like they're vitamins. See, there's a difference there. Vitamins are good for you. Germs are bad. And that's what we do. We're accepting what the world is offering like it's vitamins, like it's something healthy. Uh, There's three questions. You need to write these down. There's three questions you need to ask yourself in order to avoid the poisons of germ warfare in entering your life. First question is this. Am I being entertained by sin? Now, before anybody gets excited, I'm not calling Justin Bieber sin. okay, or any of those other people out there in rock and roll world. But we need to ask ourselves. Are we being entertained by sin? The next question you need to ask yourself when you come into these situations, is this pleasing to God? And the third one is, does this lure me away from Christ? Am I being entertained by sin? Is this pleasing to God? And does this lure me away from Christ? I want to look at Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13 through 22. I think this will help us to answer these questions. Uh, Starting with verse 13, live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one pays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. I want to challenge you to read this through at least three times this week. 1 Thessalonians 5, 13 through 25. Read it through three times this week. See how it helps you in answering those questions. Not only to answer those three questions, but to truly begin to know Christ. To truly begin to live out the commitment that we made to know Him. The following is an illustration from an article called Unleashing the Potential of the Smaller Church. It's a real article. It's written by a real man. His name is Sean McMullen. He's the editor of The Lookout. 
And those of you who, who read the lookout, you'll go, hey, that was in there last week. Yes, it was, and I took it because it was perfect. Sean McMullen writes this article, and, it, and he says, the man he's talking about was born in London in 1615. He's a Puritan preacher, Richard Baxter. He entered the ministry at the age of 26. He spent his early ministry years as an army chaplain. And the next 14 years, from 1647 to 1661, he spent ministering with a church in Kidderminster, Worcestershire, Worcestershire England. That's easy for me to say. Worcestershire, England. Baxter had a passion for preaching. He's well known for his maxim, I preached as never sure to preach again, and as a dying man to dying men. He also had a passion for souls. Every soul in his community, in fact. Kidderminster was a notoriously corrupt community, and Baxter had his work cut out for him. Nevertheless, this small community was dramatically transformed during Baxter's ministry. In an article titled Prayer Makes History, David Smithers writes this. When Baxter arrived in Kidderminster, it had a population of about 3,000 weavers who were reckless, ungodly, and content to remain that way. By the end of Baxter's stay, the entire community was miraculously transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. A writer named Leonard Ravenhill observed this. The outcome of this contagious passion is best measured by Baxter's own words. Baxter says, To the praise of my gracious master, the church at Kidderminster became so full on the Lord's day that we had to build galleries to contain all the people. Our weekday meetings also were always full. On the Lord's day, all disorder became quiet and banished out of the town. As you passed along the streets on the Sabbath morning, you might hear a hundred households singing psalms at their family worship. In a word, when I came to Kidderminster, there was only about one family in a whole street that worshipped God and called upon his name. When I left, there were some streets where not a family did not do so. Ravenhill adds this, as one writer expresses with beauty through his preaching and the power of his holy life, the whole community was changed from a habitation of cruelty and immorality to a garden of true piety. So what does the, the ministry of a 17th century Puritan preacher have to do with the 21st century church? A lot. It provides a model for what can happen when we give ourselves wholly to God and wholly to the communities that we serve and live in. If God transformed an entire community 350 years ago through the ministry of a single congregation, he could certainly do the same thing today. It begins by embracing a simple idea that God has placed your church in your community to transform it for his glory. Jesus told a parable about the impact of his kingdom on the world and how you can shake off the germ warfare that comes at us. He says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. You know, Christ's plan for his kingdom and the local church is to act like yeast and dough, quietly, steadily, permeating our environment until everything around it is affected. Churches that reach into their communities with the love of Christ and the transforming power of the gospel are the yeast in Jesus' parable. It's a standard we should all rise to. God has placed our church and our community to transform it for his glory. This church has been placed in this community to transform it for God's glory. So we can be like the leaven at the beginning of the sermon that was told, take that out because it's old and it's not working. Or we can be like the yeast in Matthew chapter 5 
that's permeating and working and changing something for the better. You know, we're, we're coming to this time, our response time, and uh, I believe that God has placed our church in this community for the purpose of doing that, so that we can be yeast that changes. So the question is, are you going to allow the germs of culture to permeate you? Or are you going to be the yeast that changes your neighborhood, changes your community, changes your state, changes your world? Dr. Obvious would say the choice you have to make is, well, obvious. We need to be the yeast. We need to permeate change. We don't need to allow our culture and the germs of our culture to change us. I don't know what you have to do in order to be the yeast. I don't know what you need in order to make that start in your life. If you need prayer, if you need to leave something here that's baggage, our elders are here. They will gladly go and pray with you. If if you need a fresh start with baptism and asking Jesus not just to be your Savior, but to be your Lord also, the baptist, baptistry is ready. And maybe it's time that your family partnered with us here at Huntsville Christian Church to be the yeast in this community and be a reflection of Jesus and help people to know him like we should. I'm not sure what your response is, but I think the choice is obvious. Will you stand and sing with us and respond to God's words today? He has indeed conquered and risen. And I got to tell you, it's been great to worship with you all today. If you've taken this message serious, I know there was some goofiness here today, but you may be thinking right now of all the things you have to stop reading or watching or things you need to start doing differently or internet sites that you're not going to go to anymore. And you're thinking, now what do I do with my time? I can't be your conscience, but I can make some suggestions to help you out. Start designing your trunk for trunk or treat with a mission. Spend, spend some quality time this week with your family. Some game time with your kids and your family. Get involved teaching and serving in our youth and family ministry. Begin mentoring someone. Open up God's word and pray about Amen. how you can serve in our community. But whatever you do, as you go this week, think of ways that you can replace those nasty cultural germs with life-giving habits that will restore a clean soul. Because then we can be a vessel to be used by him. Have a great week. Amen.